What's going on guys, Mad Lab here. Welcome to the main event breakdown. I am doing this solo today. My partner in crime, Anthony Bichilio, is not with me. So I'll be doing this alone. This is brought to you by the Mayo Media Network. So please click like, subscribe, um, comment below on what you think of the breakdowns, what you think of the videos. You can also visit our website at themadlabmma.com. We have full breakdowns, um, you know, podcasts, live streams, uh, wagering leans, uh, DFS, uh, just anything you possibly can imagine to really give you an edge on your DraftKings plays, uh, on your wagering, as well as just learning the game. I'm big on education. That's what I like to do. I like to teach. I just don't like to give out picks. There's a ton of good content on this network. I think you guys should check out in all sports and all genres. MMA in particular, you have Paul and uh, Cody doing their great job over there. You got Brett Apley doing his thing. He also does his own little thing with DraftKings and stuff. So a lot of good content, a lot of good stuff to absorb. Um, you know, Pat Mayo's got this thing completely on lockdown, and we are very grateful to be a part of it. Um, so last week, good week, right? So we had, you know, the main event come in, obviously. We picked Vittori. We had the over two and a half. That hit. Uh, so overall, it was, uh, you know, a, a good week. couple things went right. couple things went wrong in between there. But as far as the main event, which we are responsible for here on this network, everything kind of went copacetic and went to as planned. Um, you know, now you got a different variable. When you look at what I said about last fight with, you know, uh, uh, with Holland, I didn't like the way his management team and him, they took this fight a little bit too quick. They took it out of desperation and stuff like that. There's rhymes and reasons behind that that I didn't really uh, indulge upon. I'm going to indulge upon it a little bit this week just for the mere fact that there is kind of a similar circumstance um, with this fight, except they are in two different spots in their careers, right? So... You know, in this fight, you have two guys, you know, in Kelvin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker, who both have the tools to be absolute elite fighters. And some can argue they absolutely are elite fighters. Uh, they've had their ups and downs. You know what I mean? Um, now, Kelvin Gastelum's taking this fight on four weeks' notice. And I am for it, okay? I am for it. Doesn't mean it's going to work for him. Doesn't mean it's going to work against him. But I am for it because of the place where he is in his career, right? He's he's fought the who's who, uh, you know, in the UFC. He's has proven himself. He knows what his skill set is. There's he could always build. You can always build on what you are and how good you are. But at a certain point in time, when you get to a certain level, it's more about fine tuning and polishing your skill sets inside camp, whether it's to, you know, to, you're matching up against a certain style fighter that you really need to polish things up and add a couple nuances and fine tune them some things. So that's kind of where Kelvin Gastelum is in his career, even though he is still fairly young. You know, when you look at someone like Kevin Holland, the reason why I was against it was because this is a guy who, yeah, is he, is he somewhat polished in his striking and stuff like that? Yeah, but he still is young and there's still a fighter to build. So, you know, it's so important to me, you know, uh, you know, when I break these things down and just from being involved in the sport for so long that, you know, matchmaking and building a fighter is so important. And when I say building a fighter, it's not only about the fighter. It's not only about their skill set. It's not only about how many fights they won on, went on, the, uh, won on the regional circuit, because once you get under this umbrella, once you get under the UFC umbrella, um, it's a completely different game. It's almost like going from Division One football to NFL. It's got to translate, right? It's got to translate properly. So it's so important to build your fighter and walk your fighter the proper way. You have to make the right chess moves. There's so many. Th it's not just about 
adding tools into his cool toolkit and molding certain things on him. I mean, in a roundabout way, it kind of is, right? When you have a new fighter coming into the UFC, they, they are a prospect. They do got pretty good upside. There's a lot to build up. You're kind of utilizing them. If you're a good coach and you got a good team behind you and you got a good management behind you, that's kind of what it is. You're kind of like a sculpture to them. And they're kind of putting clay in spots where they feel you need it that will make you a much better, much more fine-tuned machine. Um, the same thing goes with the management um, part of it. You know, there's so much mental involved as far as physical. It's not all physical. A lot of this game is mental. You need the confidence. You need to walk into that cage knowing, well, here, you know, I'm not on a two-fight losing streak. You know, maybe I don't belong here. You need to walk in knowing that you're taking the finite steps slowly. Um, but you're taking the steps. You're not just fighting, you know, just not cherry-picking fights. you but a lot of times you'll see these managers, they're just shotgunning fights and they're taking fights because it's an opportunity. And that's not only the, that's not always the best scenario because you can ruin a fighter's mindset like that. And there are a couple fights on this card actually that I do talk about that, um, that there's certain fighters in similar situations. One fighter, I don't agree with the step that he's taking. And another fighter, I do agree. I think it's actually a very good matchup for them. Um, so when you look at the matchups and you look at the way Thing, you know, people match fights up and the way that they're accepting fights and stuff like that the, on the management end of things. You know, when you're taking some of these fights like Holland did, I did not agree with that. Like, I just did not agree with that. You need to build your fighter. You need to build your fighter's confidence. Confidence is so important. And you always want them to gradually build, but you want to test them with with you know realistic tests you don't want to throw them into the dogs and you don't want because you can absolutely absolutely ruin a fighter you can absolutely ruin a fighter you can ruin their brand and you could ruin their you could ruin their career this is a situation with kelvin gastelum where you know i agree with this he's at that point in his career where it's more about polishing it's more about fine-tuning it's more about just fixing these little strings, tuning the guitar almost, right, with him, because he's at that level. We've seen what he can do. The coaches have seen what he can do. He's fought the elitists, and he's, you know, he's won sometimes, and he's lost sometimes. So, you know, I, I agree with him taking this fight. It's an opportunity. You're not going to fight forever. You know, you're not going to be a fighter forever, so you got to capitalize on the spots that you can, um, especially when you're at his level. You know, when you look at his, you know, overall record, he's 16-6, and six, Six KOs, four subs, black belt under the 10th planet system, uh, which everyone knows I'm a big proponent of. I just like their style. I believe that if you're um, a, a fighter or, you're, or a, you, know, you have a black belt under that system, you need a creative brain. You need an analytical brain. It's just not about fundamentally going through the motions and stuff like that. It's a very, very creative style of grappling. And in order to excel, to excel in the, you know, the 10th planet system, you need that genetic code within your brain. You need to be able to open that window in your brain to really get creative. So, you know, anybody under the 10th planet system, I, I commend and, and, I, and I look at them a little bit cerebral. You have to be to, to, to be, you know, a black belt under that system. Um, you know, he's a southpaw. You know, he's got a very, very good left hand. He's very, very durable. He's got good cardio. Um, and now he's kind of moved over, right, to over by Huntington Beach to train with Rafael Cordero, where this is a guy who really was able to fine-tune him against Ian Heinish in his last fight. He was on a three-fight losing streak. You know, obviously that plays a lot in your psyche. I don't think the UFC was looking at cutting him, you know, at all, you know, anytime soon just because he is such a good fighter. Uh, but his back was against the wall, and you're just going to keep dropping down rungs, and people are going to really start losing faith in you if you don't start putting wins together. 
You know, so he comes out against Ian Heinish. He looks like a, a, a different fighter, very patient, uh, wasn't pushing the motions, wasn't pushing anything, but, you know, really was just sticking in the pocket and sticking to his game plan, and it showed. I mean, he, he won that fight to me. He won that fight handedly, uh, and he looked very good doing so. But he has had his situations where, you know, he makes as many great decisions and good decisions as he does make. Sometimes he does make some bad decisions. And I think under the tutelage of, of Rafael Cordero and the tight unit that they have over there, they got some monsters over there. I, I went over to the one in Anaheim um, uh, about a week ago, um, and he's obviously over the one in Huntington Beach. Dariush is obviously in Anaheim. But they got just a stable of guys over there. And, and there's just the, the mindset there and the camaraderie there. Um, and the family unity type of atmosphere that's there, that is something where you're not only fighting at that point for you, but you're fighting to make your team proud. You're fighting to make your family proud. Um, and nobody does it better than Rafael Cordero. Uh, so I think he's got him really, really dialed in. He's got him. He would never mislead him. He will, ne will never allow him to take a fight that he does not feel uh, that he um, has a legit shot in winning. And he does. He has a legit shot in winning. Because at the end of the day, he's fighting a guy in Robert Whitaker who has been there, right? I mean, this is a guy we know is a great fighter. We know he's a great fighter. I mean, he, he held the strap. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he had his, you know, his ups and, uh, ups and downs too. Now, mind you, media is going to create... Um, and beat writers, they're going to create these false narratives. They always do. I mean, I, I, I read it and I take it as comedic salt, I call it. You know what I mean? Because these guys literally just jump on with the first thing they hear and they're, they're typing down things about, about Hardy and they're retracting them. They're typing things down about, you know, uh, McGregor and it becomes false. So you got to really not listen to that. It's good that they're there because what the media and what the beat writers do kind of do is they kind of mislead the general public and the casuals to kind of go the other way. You know, and if you're an intelligent mind in the sport and you understand how the sport works and how, you know, you know, fighters can can bounce back and you know how to read the, you know, the, the mental fortitude of certain people, whether they're weak or they're strong, you can kind of gauge who's going to be able to bounce back from certain things, right? So when you look at, you know, Whitaker, this is a guy 22 and five, nine KOs, five by submission. Um, he, you know, he was on a uh, he was on a nine fight win streak. You know, this guy he was on a nine fight win streak until he fought Izzy, um, and then Izzy kind of dismantled him in the cage. He did not look like himself. He did not look proper. He didn't look right. He just he didn't look like Whitaker. He was kind of sloppy. He was reaching for things. He wasn't as patient as he usually is. He wasn't tying his punches and kicks together all that well. And kind of from the onset, I knew, I said, you know, something just, does, he seems off. It seems like there was a battery in him that was dying. You know, um, so that fight ends. He gets knocked out. The fight ends as he ends up taking the strap. And here we go. Now, you know, what's left of Robert Whitaker? The first thing that people did do was they went right back to the Yoel Romero fights, which were absolute fucking wars. They were wars. I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to deny that. Um, this is a guy who took one ball fights, but took major punishment on those fights. I mean, had to come back from major adversity. Um, and it was just, they, they were actually bone chilling to watch some of these, some of these minutes of this fight. You find a guy, Yoel Romero, who is not even human in so many aspects of, you know, his genetic code and his makeup and his mindset and his power and, you know, the way he explodes. And it was, they were, they were just, they were wars. They were absolute, absolute wars. There were 10 rounds of uh, absolute bludgeon war that this guy went through. Now, I'm a, a, a firm believer that sometimes you do walk out of the cage. 
you do walk out of the cage, you do walk out of the ring, and you're not the same person anymore. When you get into fights like that, you do leave a part of yourself inside there. It's 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 a fact. I've especially in boxing. You're talking to somebody who's been involved in boxing since I was 12 years old, and I've seen it. I've seen it so many times with guys who box who have been into these wars and these trilogies that they they just you lose a step. You you know you got to remember your brain triggers everything. Your brain triggers your body, tells your body what it wants it to do. It goes back up to the brain, and then your body moves. So everything that you do, everything, every move that you make, if you're grabbing, you know, water, if you're, it, your brain, it's going up to your brain. Your brain's telling your body what to do, and it kind of triggers it off. So when you're in these wars, you know, and you're getting your brain rattled, and you're getting hit, and you're getting hurt, and you know, you kind of slow down. Like your body will start to slow down, and your and your brain isn't triggering as hard as it should, like a spark plug, right? Sometimes if, I don't know if you guys ride dirt bikes or stuff like that, but me, I always used to know, know when my dirt bike was running sluggish. You know, it would be, it wouldn't buy, it wouldn't have that that hard, you know, uh, you know, brap, 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 like when you hit the throttle, it didn't have that response. It would have more of a sluggish gargle to it. I knew then my spark plugs either needed to be cleaned, uh, needed to be changed. They were getting flooded a little bit. So you weren't getting that hard response. And sometimes when you're in these wars, that's what happens. You don't get triggered with that hard response, you know, um, and that's very scientific and that's something for another day. But, um, you know, then after the Izzy fight, he ends up coming back and he fights Darren Till. And a lot of people had questions about Darren Till, obviously. They were like, oh, he's not that good, this and that. But a lot of people were picking Darren Till. Um, and I get it. I actually picked Robert Whitaker in that fight just because I am not going to settle on he's a different person before I actually see it. He did not look right against Izzy. But also you've got to remember that Izzy sometimes doesn't make look people right. This is a guy who also is a very dynamic striker. Will sometimes will make you look foolish. So I kind of absorbed that. And I was never a huge Robert Whitaker fan. I like him. I think he's a very good fighter. But he wasn't a guy that I was like, oh, Robert Whitaker's fighting. Yes. Like, I think he's very good. He's not one of my favorites. He's not like one of my, you know, I can't wait to watch him fight. But I know who he is. I know what kind of fighter he is. I've seen him go through the depths of hell and I've seen him, you know, have some pretty, you know, easy wins. He's a very, very, very well-rounded, very good, very smart, intelligent fighter. Um, but then he comes back and he fights Jared Cannonier, and the fucking world was on him. And I didn't get it. I did not understand. I mean, everybody, Jared Cannonier's power, he's, you know, uh, uh, Whitaker's chinny now, he's going to get knocked out, he's going to, and he put a, and I just couldn't, I, I really couldn't figure it out. And I was like, and this is all media now. You got to remember, this This is 90% of this is beat writers and media telling you, you know, he's, he's chinny, his chin is dusted, Cannonier hits like a truck, and this and that, blah, 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 look at the shape that he's in, Cannonier's on a roll, blah, blah. And I'm saying to myself, his only shot here is that if he is chinny, I mean, that's really his only shot. His only path there was if he was chinny and he did catch him. Outside of that, why am I going to pick Cannonier? Because that's pretty much you're telling me he's got a puncher's chance. Robert Whitaker is far and away the better fighter. So I was all over Robert Whitaker, and he actually proved that. I mean, he literally dismantled Cannonier in there. Cannonier had some, some nice spots in there, but... Robert Whitaker is is just proved in that fight. What now you're looking at this fight and you're saying, okay, well, where now if he would have lost that fight to Cannonier, I mean, mind you, I guarantee you Gaslam would have everybody would have been all over Gaslam. But now you know you look at this fight and you're saying, all right, Whitaker at 9100, 
and you got Kelvin Gastelum now on the other side with 7,100. Now I think that Gastelum is getting disrespected here. I think this price is way off, to be quite honest with you. I mean, that's complete disrespect to Kelvin Gastelum. This is a guy who, if you really watch him fight, if you listen to him speak, I'm big on listening to people speak and the way their mind works, the way how sharp they answer questions, how they answer their questions. Um, he's a very intelligent guy, and like I said, with everything that he's done in his life, the, the fights that he has had, he's had his up and downs with the missing of weight and stuff like that, being undersized for the division and stuff. But the guy is a really, really talented fighter. He's a very smart fighter in there. He's got very good slick boxing, good counters, got a really good left hand. He's dangerous, and when you got somebody that has his skill set with his durability and his conditioning, that's a dangerous, dangerous fight for anybody. You know, um, so the 7100 does not sit right for me. However, I do think Robert Whitaker is the better fighter. I really, really do. I think he's the better fighter. Um, I do think that the four-week, you know, notice for Kelvin is granted and warranted, and he should take the fight. Uh, but I just think right now Whitaker is kind of on a little bit of a mission here. Uh, not to say that Kelvin Gastelum is not, but um, I do see this fight being a lot closer. I just think that the way Whitaker attacks, and there's one thing that he does that I really don't like. Um, you know, when he attacks, he ties things together very, very well. Um, and he is very well-rounded. But sometimes when he attacks, he really leaves himself exposed. He'll put his chin out there, he'll, little, he'll reach a little bit too much. Sometimes he'll, he'll really wind up and he won't keep his hand up. You know, and he'll just he'll drop his guard and he'll, he'll be throwing one punch and throwing another at the same time without having any kind of a defense or taking his chin off the center line. You can't do that with somebody like Kelvin Gaslam. Kelvin Gaslam will deliver a, a, a parry right, like just to get you going, and send the left right down the pipe. And his left is piping. So, you know, you can't do that. And that is a situation where I could see Kelvin Gaslam capitalizing on. I could see Rafael Cordero saying, listen, we want to bait him in. We want him to come forward like that. We want, you know, to maybe, you know, play possum with him, let him start throwing those exchanges. And once you see his head on the center line, once you see him starting to let his guard down a little bit, feeling like maybe he's got you backing up, you're just gonna, you know, you know, plant, step forward and uncork a left hand and see what happens. Send that flag, send that message and say, listen, you're gonna come in like that and I'm gonna hit you. Then all of a sudden, Robert Whitaker's not really gonna storm in anymore, especially if you stun him, if you give him a little bit of a sting. I just think Robert Whitaker ties things uh, together too well, um, you know, where Gaslam is going to be more on the, uh, on the defensive, on the counter, he's going to be looking to counter more, where Robert Whitaker is going to be looking to push forward, push forward, push forward. I think it's going to be a very, very, very good fight. I really do. I think it's going to be a good fight. I think they're both going to have their spots, especially early. But I think once Robert Whitaker gets his legs under him, once Robert Whitaker starts really getting his timing down, um, you know, they're going to be trading back and forth, but I just think Whitaker is going to be the one to kind of get in first and then finish the exchanges coming out. Um, you know, so that's the judges do see that uh, where Gaslam is going to be more the guy who's going to probably hit him with a couple hard shots. They're going to be meaningful shots, you know, a couple one twos. But Whitaker is going to tie things together a little bit better, you know, with the leg kicks and, the, you know, tying the punches and the kicks together. Um, so I just think from a fighter fighting you know, prowess, I think he is a little bit more well-rounded everywhere, except for the power, obviously. Um, and I think Kelvin Gaslam, and the durability. I think Kelvin Gaslam has tremendous, tremendous durability uh, and tremendous, you know, popping his shot. Very underrated popping his shot. Uh, but I do think this is a fight that Whitaker should win uh, if he is on his game, and I am picking him to do so. From a DraftKings perspective, 
um, you know, you, you're looking at five rounds, right? You're looking at five rounds. So even at 90, we've seen it with Vittori. Vittori, you know, obviously against Holland, you know, had a, a multitude of takedowns against him. So I actually cushioned the score and helped the score. I don't know how this is going to fare that way. I don't think that you're going to see a takedown clinic from either guy. I think it's going to stay on the feet. Um, but I think that Robert Whitaker's volume and Robert Whitaker's, you know, pace and both of their paces, because they're both going to bring it. They're both going to encourage each other to throw. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a, a very exciting fight. I think it could be a little bit like after the first, second round, you'd be like, oh, dude, I don't know. I think it'll start heating up, and I think these guys are going to fight fire with fire. This is a very, very uh, big fight for both men. This is this is a, a spot where whoever wins this fight is is in serious, serious conversations. Whoever loses kind of drops down, you know, a rung of the ladder to, to be doubted a little bit, um, you know. So I think you're in a good spot in both places. I think uh, Kelvin Gastelum holds – Good value at 7,100, excuse me, because of his skill set, because of his durability, um, and because of his power. You know, so you got three attributes there that will tell you, well, hold on a second, this might carry the fight deep. So anytime you're carrying a fight deep, you're just giving that, that, the opposition more and more time to win that fight. So, you know, it's just giving him more chances. You don't know what's going to happen in the third, fourth, and, you know, fifth round if it makes it that far. You don't know. You don't know if Whitaker is going to injure himself again. This is a guy who's prone to getting injured. Remember, this guy had some serious injuries in his career and stuff like that. You don't know if he could throw a chopping leg kick and maybe, you know, injure his ankle. And all of a sudden now he's putting on a poker face and Gaslam's starting to pick him apart. These are all narratives that are very realistic. Very realistic. So at $7,100, you can't fade Kelvin Gaslam. Kelvin Gaslam is a live dog here. Uh, from the team that he has behind them to the, you know, the, 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 the proven track record that he has against super tough competition, the guys he's beaten, even the guys he's lost to. Um, and then as far as Whitaker, at $9,100, if he wins this fight, most likely he's going to cover because it's going to be, uh, you know, a, uh, I, I really believe it's going to be a good fight. It's not going to be a, a boring fight. So I don't think you can go wrong here. Um, I will have more shares of Robert Whitaker, um, obviously because I'm picking him to win. But, I, I mean, at $7,100, it's borderline insulting that Kelvin Gastelum is that cheap. So be sure, especially in a multiple lineup setting, uh, that, you, that you do get some shares of Kelvin Gastelum here. Um, and that's pretty much it, guys. So I hope you enjoyed the video. Next week, we will have Bush back on for uh, another big event. Uh, let's keep it rolling. I'll talk to you soon.